Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Chalk Talk. I am your host, Kim Davis. It is Tuesday, August the 30th. I was like, is it the last day of the month? It's not the last day of the month. We still have one more day. Whew. How are you this morning? How is everybody? Thank you, as always, for tuning in and being a part of the Chalk Talk tribe. So listen, there's a lot to talk about. And I was trying to figure out where to start. So I'm just going to start with what happened last night. It's about last night. It's about Serena Williams. It is about her being the GOAT. And if you don't think she's a GOAT, you can drop it in the chat. I can't imagine what your reason could be. But Serena Williams has um, announced, what, about a month ago that she, the U.S. Open will be her final professional tournament that she is going to she doesn't like to use the R word, retirement. For the rest of us, it means she's retiring. But she calls it evolution. On to the other things that she's going to do in her life. So last night, she took the court in Arthur Ashe Stadium at the Billie Jean King Tennis Center in New York to start the U.S. Open, her final one. The one she's had so many great moments. The one she's had some moments that were not so great, but it is her... It's her space. And she entered the court. They had uh, some a little bit of fanfare, if you will, bringing her onto the court. She played a match. She started off a little shaky. I was not concerned because, listen, it's a term we call, we, we know in tennis, it's called being tight. I mean, it happens in other sports, too, but it just means she was a little tight. A little tight means she was a little nervous. She felt the pressure. You know, there are all these people, celebrities from every place. Tennis fans from around the world, there to really celebrate and honor what Serena Williams has meant to tennis. And she has meant a lot. She's meant a lot. She and her sister both have meant a lot. They've changed the game. They've changed how some people access the game. They introduced the game to a lot of other young African-Americans, especially African-American women. There's no question about it. And just even the way the game is played. I mean, Serena Williams at 40 years old, think about it. I think about half the players in the draw, I can't, I don't know the exact number. I'll get it and I'll tweet it or post it later. We're not even born when she started playing professionally, right? They weren't even born yet. I mean, this is a game that tends to be dominated by much younger people, teenagers, Right? You get to be 20-ish and it's like, ooh, is your time coming to an end? What Serena is doing is, and I know we hear this word a lot, it is unprecedented. She is the GOAT. So she came out in pure Serena fashion. She had diamonds in her hair, sparkles on her shoes. Her tennis outfit was, was sparkly and fancy. Nike had released some photos of it earlier in the day. Her daughter, Olympia, was in the stand in a similar outfit as her mother. And so it was just a fun night of tennis. It was fun to watch. She won the match. There are many who thought she would go out and this would be it. She won the match in straight sets, 6-3, 6-3. If she serves that way and continues to move that way, I expect her to win her second round match on Wednesday night. But Serena Williams, you know, all, all praise to her. Uh, there was a lot of conversation on Twitter last night. And if you happen to follow me about just the commentating with Chris Everett. And if you watch a lot of tennis, what you know is 
she always seems, she's always seems to have had an issue with the Williams sisters in terms of when she talks about them. It's almost like she's got some pom-poms for their opponent. And it just gets to be annoying. Sometimes I can turn it off. But last night I didn't want to not listen to the, the match because she's not the only person on the broadcast. But man, she's she's annoying. Okay. And so somebody tweeted me this morning and said, what's their deal with her? And I don't know, but I think it is this. When Richard Williams, Venus and Serena's father, um, introduced them to the sport, the tour, he did it his way. He had a plan for introducing his daughters to professional tennis, for bringing them along. And his first plan was to make sure that they were very rooted and grounded and self-confident. And what Richard knew from observing the United States Tennis Association, the USTA, the, the US governing body of tennis and their programs is that not only were they not very diverse, but they never really addressed the differences, the cultural differences. They just didn't. And it does matter. I remember when I first left my um, job at Channel 2 back in 2011, Zena Garrison, Lori McNeil, and I took some young women to kind of a week of a tennis camp, if you will. We took them to St. Thomas. These are some of the top young teens in the country. And it was really not just about, yeah, they worked out on the court and they worked out and, and, and we did some training, but it was about really everything else, right? Because no one really addresses how at 13, 14, 15, 16, right? 17, how you navigate this space. Most of them back then were already <clears throat> going to school online because of the travel um, in order to be able to play. Tennis requires a lot, it requires a lot financially. It requires a lot of your time. <clears throat> and in order to compete at, at the levels of, of, if you're thinking about really playing on the next level, there's a lot of sacrifice made, not just by the players, but their families. And when you are the young tennis player, not from a country club, young black teenager, a young woman thrust into this environment where all of your competitors are also the people who are, that's your, that's your circle. That's who you're with. You know, which is why so many of the players' parents travel with them. And it's, it, it's a cultural difference. The worlds and the lives are different. And if it is not addressed, if it's not addressed, at some point it becomes difficult to navigate. So we, we took these young people and we had a great time. It was a great place to be. St. Thomas was beautiful. And we talked to them a whole lot about being um, not just on the court, but off the court. I work with them on, you know, managing their, their communications. You know, it's not just about being ready to do a TV interview, but how you, how what you communicate and how you communicate it and where you communicate it, how all of that says a lot about you. And it, it, it shapes people's perceptions of you. And so we did a lot of it. It was great fun and we had a really good time. And it was a reminder that it's missing and it's needed and we haven't done it since. I mean, that's something that would require a certain amount of, you know, support and funding. And it's not something that the USTA would want to see happen, to see happen, because they're like, oh, we can do it. People can come here. It's not the same, and it makes a difference. So 
to answer the question about why Chris Everett seems to have pom-poms for the other players whenever one of the Williams sisters plays, yeah, I see it's some with Naomi. It is because they didn't do it the way she thinks that it should be done. That's what I think. It is, and I don't even know if she realizes how annoying she is to listen to and how incredibly anti-Williams she comes across on the broadcasts. I, I don't think that she remembers it, re recognizes it. She's not that self-aware, clearly. And no one has told her, like, the powers that be, because I guess they're okay with it. So I don't know. But she referred, even last night in the broadcast, she said, I remember when Richard Williams first came around, you know, with Venus and Serena, and we thought he was a kook. No, you thought he was a kook. We is as though you're talking about everybody. Leave me out of the week because I never thought he was a kook. I thought he had a different approach. And what we know is he's people champions. He helped his girls, his, his girls, now women, his daughters, become champions and formidable forces on that circuit for decades, for two decades. Let that sit in. So I wanted to start the show with really just kind of honoring Serena and her work and her journey and the fact that she's done it for so long at such a high level. And my last Chris Everett comment, because I want to move on from her. We'll have two. She said last night that there's conversations, you know, and McEnroe was also part of the broadcast. So she said, do you really think she thinks she can win at the tournament? And I'm sitting there going, of course she thinks she can win the tournament. She's a world-class elite athlete with how many majors? How many Grand Slam titles? 22, 23? 22. She's trying to get the one to time Marvin Court. She's won a ton of tournaments. She's been number one in the world. She's been playing at a level that most people wish they could get at occasionally for decades. When I say decades, 20 years. And you think she don't think she got a chance to win? Man, get out of here. Okay, so here's my last Chris Everett comment. It's some trivia. Write this down. You can use it on somebody. This is what we do sometimes in Chalk Talk. We give you a little nugget that you can share. So here's the thing. When Chris Everett retired, she played her last match at the U.S. Open. She was beaten by Zena Garrison. She lost to Zena. Zena beat Chris Everett in her last match at the, at the U.S. Open. I was there. I watched that match. It was great fun, right? It was great fun, not so much because I was pulling against Chris Everett, but you know, Zena's my friend. I mean, Zena and I have been friends since we were 10. <laughs> you know, Zena's why I started playing tennis competitively, but it was just great to be there. And um, so yeah, there's a trivia. Who beat uh, Chris Everett? Who sent her home from the US Open? That would be Zena Garrison. All right, we have a lot of other things to get to on today's show. I first want to tell you that the show is brought to you by Kimmy Treats. Remember, man, if you need some snacks, vegan popcorn, get you some vegan popcorn. Make sure that you check out Kimmy Treats, right? You can order it online at KimmyTreats.com. There's vegan popcorn. and the, the body butter is still on the site. I have not split them yet. I'm going to get there. So if you order the body butter, just know that this time of year, it will arrive melted. You just pop it in the fridge and let it firm back up and use it. And it still is going to be amazing. But you can get your, um, if you happen to be in Houston and you want to get the vegan popcorn, you want to get some uh, body butter, Going over to Sunshines, there's two locations. There's one on OST 
and there is now one in Fifth Ward, you can get your Kimmy Treats at both locations. So check out Kimmy Treats online at KimmyTreats.com, or you can check it out at Sunshine's. All right, so the other thing I want to tell you, um, this is you know one of the ways that we are able to do this show and, and, and to do all of the things as it relates to covering sports and being in all these places is by great relationships with sponsors. And one of our longtime supporters has been Jinka. I love Jinka. Kim and LJ Williams are the founders. If you have inflammation, if you have high cholesterol, maybe you struggle with high blood pressure, you got some aches and pains, a number of issues, I encourage you to check out, to try Jinka. It's a turmeric paste. And there are also capsules that are, you know, vegan capsules with the same ingredients that are, that are, that are dried. So you can take the capsules or you can take, you can try the, the paste and put the paste in pretty much anything, coffee, lemonade, apple juice, tea, you name it. You can find the place to put the coffee and you can find it in Houston at HEB. Here at HEB in the healthy living department, the probiotics, you can find Jenkins seven days a week. All right, and that is their young daughter, Ray, who is growing up to be the, the CEO. She is learning about the business and can tell you all about what Jinka can do for you. All right, so listen, there is so much else to get to. I wanted to start the show with Serena. Before I start talking about the Texans and the fact that today is cut day, it is cut day around the National Football League. Every team has to get down to 53 people on their active roster. Although, like, as Lovey Smith likes to say, he really looks at it as like 69 or 70 because your active roster is 53. It increased the size of the practice squad to 16, and then you get the one international player. So it could be 70 players. We're going to get to that. I'm going to let you hear from Lovey Smith, and I'm also going to let you hear from Jalen Petrie. But before we do that, and before we talk about the Astros and Jordan Alvarez, and before you hear from Dusty Baker, there's another big story that I want to talk about. So over the weekend, Rachel Richardson, a young volleyball player who plays volleyball for Duke, she's a starter, was with her teammates as they played a match out in Utah. They played Brigham Young University. And unfortunately, every time Rachel served, she was met with jeers of the, you know, uh, of the N-word, racial slurs. This is BYU. This is the good Christian folk, right? This is, that's, that's what we're talking about. It went on for the entire, the entirety of the evening. The reason that we know about it is because her godmother posted it on Twitter over the weekend and it became a, a whole thing. So I want to let you, so... When it was happening, the officials, not the officials, not the the BYU coach or the BY, the Brigham and Young athletic director or nothing. They didn't do a thing about it. Of course, later they made a comment after it became really big in public. So, but here's who I do want you to hear from is Rachel Richardson. And I'm gonna show you her comment and read to you what she said. 
So she said, hello, my name is Rachel Richardson. I'm a sophomore on the Duke University women's volleyball team. Friday night in our match against Brigham Young University, my fellow African-American teammates and I were targeted and racially heckled throughout the entirety of the match. The slurs and comments grew into threats, which caused us to feel unsafe. Both the officials and BYU coaching staff were made aware of the incident during the game, but failed to take the necessary steps to stop the unacceptable behavior and create a safe environment. As a result, my teammates and I had to struggle just to get through the rest of the game instead of just being able to focus on our playing so that we could compete at the highest possible level. They also failed to adequately address the situation immediately following the game when it was brought to their attention again. No athlete, regardless of their race, should ever be subject to such hostile conditions. <clears throat> God has called each of us to be members of one body while we we may have our differences, they should never divide us. And then she dropped the scripture on Romans 12, four through five. That said, I do not believe this is in any way a reflection of what the BYU athletes stand for. The girls on the team played a great game and showed nothing but respect and good sportsmanship on and off the court. Once notified, the BYU athletic director, Tom Holmo, was quick to act in a very respectful and genuine manner. He is at the forefront of ensuring that the BYU athletic, let me go to the next page and read that to you. Staff and players undergo education and training. Yeah, because it's 2022, right? It's post-George Floyd. Anyway, to better handle and prevent the racist, ignorant, and asinine behaviors that were exhibited by their fans during the match. It is neither mine nor Duke Volleyball's goal to call BYU's athletics out, but rather to call them up. This is not the first time this has happened in college athletics, and time, and sadly, it will likely not be the last time. However, each time it happens, we as student athletes, coaches, fans, administrators, have a chance to educate those who act in hateful ways. This is an opportunity to dig deep into closed cultures which tolerate amoral racist acts such as those exhibited Friday night and change them for the better. It's not enough to indicate that you are not racist. Instead, you must demonstrate that you are anti-racist. My team and I were fortunate enough to go through, quote, a long talk, end quote, which is an educational series on the roots of racism and how to be an activist in not just dealing with racism, but preventing and ending it. This helped to equip us to deal with the situation in a mature manner rather than to act in a retaliatory man manner. I want to express my gratitude to the Duke Athletics Administration for being quick to act on my team's behalf. Additionally, I'd like to thank my coaching staff and teammates for immediately dealing, let's go to the next one. This is the last one, guys. Hang in there um, with it to the best of their ability after the really the minute they were made aware of it. Further, I'd like to thank anyone who has reached out to make me aware that you stand with us. Finally, I understand some people would have liked what have happened in the moment, such as an immediate protest and refusal to play on. Although the heckling eventually took a mental toll on me, I refused to allow it to stop me from doing what I love to do and what I came 
to BYU to do, which was play volleyball. I refuse to allow those racist bigots to feel any degree of satisfaction from thinking that their comments had gotten to me. So I pushed through and finished the game. Therefore, on behalf of my African-American teammates and I, we do not want to receive pity or to be looked at as helpless. We do not feel as though we are victims of some tragic, unavoidable event. We are proud to be young African-American women. We are proud to be Duke student athletes, and we are proud to stand up against racism. Rachel Richardson. So that happened, okay? I, I don't really have a lot to add. I think Rachel, which is why I wanted you to read it because if you're not watching it, print is small on the screen. I wanted you to hear what this young woman, the grown-up in the room, how she handled it. And I listened to an interview with her aunt yesterday on a, on a national radio program. And she said that Rachel wrote it on the way back on a flight. <clears throat> she was she was clearly bothered by it. Her father said he called her. He, she was upset. She was in tears. Y'all, is this what we're doing at a volleyball game? It's 2022. What happens to all of this? We're going to get so much better and be, you know, have these kumbaya moments and no, 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 we're okay. And, and there's no issue of race in this country. Yeah, there is. And as she said, she and her teammates went through this program to help understand the roots of racism. But the state I live in is like, if you mention racism in school, you're gonna lose your job and I don't know, maybe you go to jail, I, I, who knows what they'll say. But instead of trying to act as though racism is not a thing, why don't we equip people with how to navigate it, understand the roots of it, so that at that point, maybe it can be better dealt with it and we can start to see it diminish? I, I don't know, but I just wanted to give kudos to, to Rachel Richardson. I, I saw some, of course, hateful things online where people say it was made up. No, it wasn't made up. I didn't want you to, I didn't want to play what the Duke athletic director said later because what he should have done immediately was denounced it, right? And, and called people out and it's just awful. And why do you have to be made aware of it? Because if they heard it on the court, then somebody else heard it as well. Anyway, Rachel Richardson, girl, we got you. We stand with you and are proud of how you handled it in that moment. So I just wanted to share that. All right, so let's talk a little baseball. Houston Astros, they have... Uh, they were off yesterday. They are on the road. They're playing the Rangers in Arlington. And the Astros are now uh, have an 82 and 47 record. They are, they currently hold the best record in the American League. So if the playoffs started tomorrow, they would have home court, home field throughout. The Yankees are right behind them with a 78 and 51 record. Um, in fact, in terms of percentage points and, and wins, it's only about, uh, a point twenty one difference, and it is it's the home stretch. So the Astros are getting ready for the postseason. They're a little banged up, right? Uh, Letting Diaz is still out. Chad McCormick, not sure if he'll play tonight. He's had had an issue with the his finger, and and the big one is 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 Jordan Alvarez, who's been nursing a hand issue. And so um, one of the things Dusty talked about on Sunday before the game was how. They decided to go ahead and get treatment for him now. 
that he would have Monday off and hopefully be back in the lineup for Tuesday. But when you have these injuries with your hands and, and your feet, because there's not a lot of space, not as much circulation gets through it, and it's tougher to heal. But here is Dusty Baker talking about uh, the injury. Yesterday, we were going to wait until after the game today, but we decided that, you know, uh, to do it today, and then hopefully we'll be ready on Tuesday. So, uh, you think McCormick will be ready on Tuesday? I, I do not. His finger's still swollen, so... I, I don't, I don't, he, he was hit swinging some today, and uh, you know I'll have to talk to my batting coaches to see you know how his progress is. So that was Dusty before the game on um, Sunday. The Astros did beat that win that game. They beat the Orioles. And here's the other thing. Verlander, the starting pitcher in Sunday's game, left after three innings. He uh, made a play at first base, and when he stepped down in the bag, he strained or pulled or, you know, un, you know, irritated his calf. And so they, they, you know, they took him out. He didn't go back in and to make sure that he's okay, right? Because you don't want any problems with your ace. And he is the ace. So they are just trying to manage it all. And that's part of that's part of Dusty's job is to manage it. You know, he's, like he said, this time of year, you've got a lot of injuries. And there's some injuries that you really don't get over until the season ends and you have time to just let it heal because they play so many games. They have very few off days. They were off yesterday. As I said, they're going up um, to play in, to play the Rangers um, today and tomorrow they play the Rangers and then they travel out to Los Angeles to play the Angels for a weekend series starting on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then they're back home on Labor Day to play host to the Rangers. So, look, it's go time, right? It's go time for everybody. It was go time for Serena last night. It's go time for the NFL as they, as they get those rosters, the active rosters down to 53. It's go time for the Astros as they make this stretch toward postseason and try to get as healthy as possible to make a run at a title. And so speaking of the Texans, here's head coach Lovey Smith yesterday. Uh, he met the media and um, he always kind of makes an opening statement. And here's him on yesterday. This time, we haven't made any cuts or anything. So what are we going to talk about today anyway? All right. Why don't we just kind of start it off with that? We had a practice today since we talked. Um, we had a great time uh, Saturday night. You know, I've seen the guys in sweaty uniforms and, you know, in a little bit different environment, but to see all of our guys dress up, that's how we travel. We're, we, when we travel, you'll see guys in, in coats, not all ties, but uh, business, you know, like you would on a business trip, to see all of our players this weekend with their beautiful spouses and wives was uh, pretty special for a great cause. But it is about football. And today, um, we had a good practice. In an ideal world, you know, in training camp, you want to hit every, uh, you know, situational ball. You know, one situation is going to come up that you don't get a chance to hit an awful lot. It's when it rains and pours. So that was lovely yesterday. Um, and like he did say, what do you guys want to talk about? And of course, we have questions. He talked about what it's like 
you know, when you have to make these cuts. And he said it's difficult, but he also said that this is what you sign up for because you know it's a day coming. And the goal is to come out every chance you get starting OTAs and off-season workouts and the mini camps and then, of course, training camp and preseason to prove that you – to earn a spot. And they, and they give you all these opportunities to show I belong here. So today is – is the day that those decisions will be made. And he said, well, it's difficult to tell a person that, but you're hoping that they've shown enough that they get a chance to land someplace else, right? So he talked about that. He was also asked about the running back, and that's some of you've asked me about him, Damian Pierce. Will be will he be the starter on opening day? And let me say, listen, you guys have seen Pierce play. Um, he's a remarkable young talent. And he said, we're not going to go through the starting lineup right now today. And so one of the reporters said, well, you said that Jamin Petrie and Stingley will probably start. He said, well, you saw Petrie playing the entire preseason. So anyway, he did not name Damian Pierce the starter. I think that he will start. But here is um, Love talking about Petrie and Stingley. I think they're both uh, talented players that have a great intellect for football. And I get it picked up everything quickly and just not what we've done. We've been pretty based with what we've done in the preseason, but with everything else. That's what I've seen from them. They're football guys, they're hungry. Like, you know, a lot of rookies are hungry and our rookies really are. So just don't think we're gonna be limited with what we do with them. I don't think we're gonna have to adjust what we would like to do either based on uh, the amount of rookies that we play. If we play a rookie, we're saying that he can take everything and he's ready to go. And I think we're going to have a few that will be in that in that position. So one of the people who will <clears throat> hopefully be in that position uh, sooner than later is Kenyon Green from my alma mater. He's the offensive guard out of Texas A&M. The, their second pick in the first round, they selected him with that 15th pick. And so we'll see when Kenyon Green is ready. But you don't take a, a player at that position if you don't think he can play and that he can start for you at some point this season. I say some point because Kenyon <clears throat> missed a bit of camp. He was out with a concussion, and so he's got to play a little bit of catch-up. But one last sound piece of sound I want you to hear is Jalen Petrie. We saw Jalen Petrie line up throughout preseason. He is uh, obviously going to start at safety. And here's Petrie after the last, was it Thursday night? Thursday night's preseason game when the um, Texans – finished preseason out through, you know, they, they um, pushed the shutout against the 49ers. Of course, it's preseason, and now that that's over, none of that really matters. But here's Jalen Peake. They make my job real easy. And, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to play behind them. Jalen, Kenyon got in. Damien played well again. You played well again. Is there a sense of pride among the rookies that you guys can kind of do this stuff early? Oh, definitely. You know, we're not even looking at it. We're trying to keep it real simple. We understand that we've been playing football for a long time. And, um, you know, we're here for a reason. So we just, we're going out there having fun, knowing our job and, and doing our assignment. It's real fun to see, you know, all of us having the success and we're going to continue to work for that. Jalen, there's preseason. That was Jalen Petrie. And um, I'm going to take some of your comments. Now, hey, good morning. Um, that is amazing to be what Serena has done 20 years at that level. And I, I listen, I'd like to see her win it all. I always want to see a win it all, right? You know, there was Coco Goff who tweeted last night. She said, we in here, the GOAT. I love you, Serena. And Naomi Osaka said in an interview um, before the Open started, she said, I 
I probably would not be here playing tennis if it were not for Serena, because I believe that I could play and play at a level and win because of what I saw her do. So yeah, it's a lot, right? It's a lot. I know, Andrea, it's wild on a number of bases. Hey, good morning, Charles Graydon. Welcome, welcome. Hey, Luanda, it was uh, pretty powerful that the young woman, um, Rachel Richardson, that she pinned that letter and posted it and had the wherewithal to, uh, to, to, to craft those words and share all of that, right? Uh, I appreciate that. Hey, Reggie H., good morning, my friend. And no, Charles, um, I cannot imagine how you would have responded if that happened to your volleyball playing daughter and, and you were there. And it shouldn't happen to anyone. And the fact that we're talking about this and we're, we're talking about it in 2022. Good morning to my sister, Sylvia. Good morning, sunshine. Um, and yes, the Astros play 162 games. That's just the, that's what they do. And it's baseball and it, they've always played a ton of games and it's just that kind of sport. So I don't think that'll ever change, but um, yes, it is a lot to take in. It is a lot to navigate. I know that Andrea knows something about baseball. She has a son, I believe at the university of Texas who is uh, playing baseball and there's a lot of opportunities in baseball. I just like to see more of us play it. And I'm super excited that uh, Dusty is the manager, even though I, I stand there, you guys, sometimes. Hey, good morning, Carol. Welcome. Thank you for, as always, showing up, being a part of Chalk Talk. I, I sometimes, <laughs> I'm standing there sometimes doing interviews with my peers. Um, and I hear the questions that they ask Dusty. And I'm going to just be honest, that they never would have asked A.J. Hinch. Or I hear the, you know, the entitlement that they have when they talk to a Lovey Smith that they never had when they talked to Bill O'Brien, who, by the way, single-handedly ruined this football team, like threw them into rebuild mode from a, from a talent standpoint and from a salary cap standpoint. But yet he went on off and he's doing something else. And it gets frustrating sometimes because I'm just like, really? We doing this? And, you know, I don't even bother anymore saying to try to justify and say, oh, well, I don't, you know, I don't make things all about race. I make things about what they are. You know, I make them about what they are. And it's about perspective and seeing it and calling it what it is. And it's just kind of, it's just kind of ridiculous. There's a level of entitlement. Um, which is, you guys know, you've heard me say it. That's why I still do what I do, because I think the perspective and my my perspective and my voice is needed. Like I'm a real, like a for real journalist. I'm my own, you know, managing editor and publisher, and I still employ the guidelines and the tactics and the rules of being a journalist. I just bring something different to the table, and I think that's important to be able to shape and share, not shape, but to share a different narrative about a lot of the things that we see that happen on the field, the court, um, off the field, off the court. And as we talk about these players and coaches and, and people that, that have made it their business to compete at this level. And so that of course is why I do what I do. And I'm glad you guys are here because I just been doing it 
by myself. So uh, if you will, if you'll share this video wherever you're watching it, I really appreciate it because we want more people to be a part of our tribe and to, to know what you know is that we have some, we have fun on this show and we have some cool information and I'm glad that you're here to be a part of that. Um, Charles said, truly, my reaction would have been similar if I had witnessed the actual incident. Yeah, I, I know. It, it's just because we we have the tools and skills to be able to handle those kind of situations because we don't have any choice, right? I can even begin to tell you how many uh, notes and such and calls when people were still calling when I worked at different TV stations and yeah. And so you have to navigate it. And I, listen, I grew up playing tennis. That was my sport. I, you, many of you know I'm a, a graduate of Texas A&M University. I played tennis there until I <clears throat> had, blew out my ankle. And when I started playing tennis, you know, from over at McGregor Park, we go around and play, play, play people. They weren't always happy to see us. I told you guys a story about uh, play, playing a tournament, going to a tournament in Birmingham, Alabama. And maybe I was 14. We were going to watch Zena and Lori at, at that point. Zena was still playing the national uh, play court championship. Zena was playing Andrea Yeager. And the lady, Miss Dillon, that was her name, she guided us. You know, when we got to the to the country club up to this hill and we all were sitting on this hill, we were on our way to the Nationals at Princeton, but we stopped in Birmingham. And so we all, maybe about 30 of us, 25, 30 of us from Houston, from McGregor Park, Houston, sitting on the side of this hill to watch the match. And then these uniformed officers come over to escort us out because Black people weren't allowed there. Now, first of all, let me just say this. Miss Dylan knew that before she led us up that hill. She knew it. And we had to leave because we indeed are black. And so, um, and that wasn't, look, that wasn't a lifetime ago. I mean, listen, I'm telling you it happened, you know, and I, it's been a while since I was 14, but, you know, we're not talking about in another lifetime. It's in my lifetime. And so here we are. Full circle now in 2022 with some of this foolishness after all that has happened. And I just say that we just got to do better. Um, good morning. Hello, Don Payne. Thank you for uh, being here. I appreciate you. And I, I appreciate your kind words. Thank you, my friend. Um, still praying for you and your family. Also, wanted to say this. Prayers out to Jason Jenkins. Uh, I know Jason, uh, Jason, I believe, was 47 years old. Senior Vice President for the Miami Dolphins, a, a young African-American brother who's had a, done a lot of great work in the National Football League, passed away on Saturday. Um, and just, it's just sad. And I don't really know why. I mean, how? I've heard a couple different things, heart attack or, but what we know is that he has lost his life. And let me say this to some of y'all. Stop being so insensitive and asking people, well, what happened? Don't stop asking family members that. That is, don't, why? Offer your condolences and keep it moving, right? I don't understand that. I don't understand the need for you to know, well, what happened? What happened is that he's not breathing anymore. He is not here <laughs> and we are dealing with it. So please stop it. I just wanted to throw that in. At any rate, listen, I always appreciate your input and I appreciate hearing from you. Um, some cool things that are going to be coming up. 
I have a, another meeting about the, this other project we're hoping to launch, uh, the, the TV project, still working on it. I know we've been talking about it for a while and also about moving the podcast to another platform as well um, on, a, on a national level. So all those things are kind of in the works, right? So I'm still, you know, still out, still grinding, still plugging away and just making sure that whatever I do is the right fit. Right. Just making sure that. And Carol, you're right. Yes. Sad. Sending prayers to his family. Absolutely. There's just so much loss. <clears throat> and, you know, if you and, and, and our young black men and who are losing their lives to health issues and or issues that we didn't know they had. And so if there is somebody in your life, I encourage you to make sure that they are on a regular basis. Uh, seeing a doctor, um, being aware of, of their of their medical conditions. And that is man or woman, but I know, and I'm going to take liberty here, that sometimes men don't go as willingly. <laughs> but, you know, let's just support each other. And if there's a woman in your life who is um, slow to get stuff checked out, give her a nudge, encourage her and say, hey, sis, man, you, we need to go check that out. You know, how are things? Are you good? And I mean that physically, and I also mean it mentally, because we also hear stories that people, you know, mental illnesses have become somewhat of a blanket word, and we just throw it around. But it is also very real. People struggle with it. They're suffering from it. And so it's okay to not be okay. Get it checked out. Talk to somebody. See somebody. There are resources for that. And there is no shame in getting some therapy, right? <clears throat> There's no shame in getting a little tune-up, a little checkup on yourself. I just encourage you to do that anytime that you get. So I um, I wanted to offer that to you. And I want to say again uh, about supporting Jinka. Jinka has been a longtime supporter of Chalk Talk and a lot that we do here at the KD Company. And it's, it's, it's a great product. And so if you just want to make sure that you got good, healthy stuff in your body every day. We've heard about turmeric. There's all these studies and reports about what turmeric does naturally for you. And turmeric is the key ingredient in there in this turmeric paste. That's what Jinga is. It's a turmeric paste. And they now started, they also make it as capsules. If you're like, I don't want to have to mix it in a drink and blah, blah, blah. Well, then you can buy the capsules and you can get them at HEB. And they are in about 36 HEB stores around Houston and Southeast Texas. They are expanding, but here's where you can find it. Here at HEB, in the Healthy Living Department, the probiotics, you can find Jenkins seven days a week. <laughs> yep. Look at that Jenkins sale. <laughs> Look at that Jenkins. All right, so that is where you can find Jinka. You can also find it online at ilovejinka.com. So ilovejinka.com for your tumor paste. And they also have something, it's called some good ass soap. That's the name of it. Um, it's pretty amazing. You can check it out there. And they're going to have other products. But right now, they're really focusing on, on, on building the, the paste. And they, they're going to have some great announcements to... Uh, share the next in the in the coming months about uh, the expansion of Jinka, where you can get it and, and who all it serves. So 
pay attention and you'll hear about it here on this space. Also, I want to remind you, if you will, um, make sure that you subscribe to my YouTube channel. It's uh, You'll see it as Kim Y. Davis Media. You pull up Chalk Talk, it, it'll probably be there as well. And I just want you to subscribe to Chalk Talk. I mean, subscribe to Kim Y. Davis Media. Let me find the link so I can tell you. And where is it? Nope. I have a link. I'll have to post it again um, so that you will know to subscribe. But it's Kim Y. Davis Media. And you'll see me. You'll see my name. If you go there and subscribe, and you'll get the notifications about the show and when the show is going to air. Also, if you will, follow me on Twitter. That's where I do updates during games and and after practices and throughout the week. I have more conversations on Facebook. But if you follow me on Twitter and Instagram, Instagram is Kim Y. Davis Media and um, Twitter is Kim Y. Davis. So follow me. That way we can stay in touch and we can have great conversations. You can also follow me on LinkedIn. I'll be posting some other videos just about, you know, um, doing some things as it relates to communications and leadership and, and encouraging you to upgrade your LinkedIn. If you're not on LinkedIn, get there. And if you are on LinkedIn, make sure that your profile is as it should be. And hit me up if you've got some questions about that. And why should you be on LinkedIn? Well, I'm glad that you asked. It is because it's not just for people that are looking for jobs. If you want to establish your thought leadership or your expertise and, and you want to be known for something as it relates to your business, your brand, and you want to be able to connect with other um, business owners or business leaders, it's a lot of business to business work. And that's where people look. They go, oh, wait, Kim Davis, she, she does media training. Let me go see what she has on her LinkedIn page. They will often do that before they go to your website. So I say that as an option to build your LinkedIn presence it's important and it can be super helpful. All right. So listen, we are out of time for today or actually I'm just out of stuff to talk about because you look, y'all know I can talk, right? I could talk for another 14 minutes and make this show right now a whole hour. I'm always trying to get to 45 minutes. I'm one minute over today, but I also want to, I think when you're done with um, vital and useful information, it's time to wrap and I'm done. All right. Hey, listen, thanks everybody. I appreciate you. Stay tuned. I'm going to post the, the, the cuts as I see them when the Texans make the announcement. And then tomorrow I'll get a chance. We'll get a chance to talk with general manager, Nick Casario. So I'll be posting that some of that conversation as well on tomorrow afternoon, but wait till later today, 3 PM, all of the cuts are due to the league office. And so we'll be, uh, on the lookout to see if there are any surprises on this team or other teams around the league. And you, of course, can find it wherever you follow me. So with that said, hey, you guys. Oh, yeah. Are you registered to vote? Are you registered to vote? You know what we do here. You got to register. And you can say, well, why should I register? Well, if you care about roads or what's taught in your kid's school or, you know, access to um, healthy food in your neighborhood, or the electric grid, if you happen to live in Texas, and you know what books are in the library, and what about the roads and the holes on the streets, and what about your mail, any of those things? What about your taxes, and what about your um, opportunities as a business owner? Any of those things, and a whole lot more, 
you should be voting. And if you're not registered, then you can't you can't vote. So I'm encouraging you to get registered. And if you are registered, to get somebody else registered. And most importantly, after you register, study the issues, study the politicians, and make a decision about how you vote based on what's good for you, your family, and your community, for your interest. Vote your interest. Okay. And of course, if you are not vaccinated for COVID, please do get vaccinated. It is not gone. I just read a report yesterday that we are seeing 450 people die every day in the U.S. from COVID. So there's 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 options. And one is to get vaccinated and to just really be as safe as you can, because we are figuring out now how to live with COVID, because it seems to be here to stay. All right, everybody, listen, make it a great day. Remember, do something kind for yourself and something kind for somebody else. I'll see you right back here next Tuesday at 11 a.m. on whichever platform you're viewing this show today. And until then, follow me on Instagram and Twitter, and I'll keep you updated. Make it a great week, everybody.